0: All right, good evening. It's bourbonblog.com live. Always enjoy uh, chatting with my good friend, Alan Bishop, distiller, historian, author, and more there at French Lick. And he has some great news for us tonight on his new uh, rye, his his new brandy. How's it going there, Alan? It's not too bad, all things considered. I got the uh, I got the
1: corona thing going on. I've had it for a couple days now, but it's, it's not been that bad. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, just... Uh, they, you know what they say, don't you? That if you can't if you can't beat them, you just out drink them.
0: I hope that a little sip of something with me tonight will help you feel better. I'm glad it's not too bad for you. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining me. I um, I also noticed before we went on here, I didn't mean to do this. We kind of match blue and black. I mean, we didn't even right. plan this out.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a you know overalls are like adult pajamas, really. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So. If I start doing this every time I interview someone matching, I mean it's it's uh, it'll be like whiskey mind reading. I think. That's what yes, it, it should be part of the show. <laughs> and really, you know what I should have done? I I really I I would have earlier, but I was just jumping on. A lot of times I will wear the bow tie, and and I I noticed that Solomon Scott must have been just like me, someone who really enjoyed bow tie. Right
1: that's right well if you if you remember i saw you a couple weeks ago at that event i walked by you and what i say i said really who wears a bow tie anyways and you uh, stop because it's kind of dark in there for and you've got to stop for a minute you're like okay all right it's alan it's okay it's acceptable
0: <laughs> <laughs> no this is this is great it was great seeing you there at that event uh wonderful funds i think they raised over a hundred thousand dollars uh for um for the homelessness there in in Louisville, wonderful cause coalition for mm-hmm. homeless. The 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 uh, the Bourbon Brotherhood and the and the uh, whiskey chicks, right? Yep, yep. That was and a that great was, event. It was a beautiful event. a beautiful yeah. event. A beautiful. And that auction, that auction was great. Really, oh, it's such beautiful stuff. Uh, this is a hey, this is so good already. I mean, I have to say, I I, I tried it earlier today. This has been long anticipated. Again, I know a lot of uh, fans and friends of French liquor are watching. Uh, if you haven't gotten a bottle of this, you really got to get it. It's it, it's just delicious. Tell us, what 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 do we have here, this uh, salmon yeah. Scott?
1: So that that should be hitting the distribution channels now. Um, if yeah. you're in Indiana, you can always stop by the distillery and pick it up at the gift shop, but it should be hitting distribution channels in all the states that we're in currently. Uh, so this is actually, we went the opposite of what every other uh, distil- craft distillery seemed to be doing early on. early on as you know everybody was releasing two-year-old rye and you know they're holding out on their bourbon for four years five years so we did a a young bourbon we did a two-year-old Lee Sinclair and then we did a blended bourbon which was our weeder which was you know 60% our two-year-old weeded then 40% merchant that was five five years old but with the rye I thought no let's go the opposite let's hold rye and let's make that our oldest thing that we've released so far so it's a five-year-old rye whiskey and it's a pretty unique mash bill it's based on the uh it's based on the George Washington Mashville as far as the way it's structured. So it's a, uh, a 60% rye, a 35% corn, and a 5% malt. But we switch out uh, Distiller's Malt for uh, Victory Malt, which has more of a kind of dry, biscuity sort of characteristic to it. And there's always two different unique yeast strains. One that we propagate ourselves. The other one is a brandy strain. That's where you get some of those fruity sort of profiles from with that rye. Uh, double pot distilled, no chill filtration. Number two charred oak barrel, 53 gallons and larger. Medium plus toast heads. This was actually aged out in the um, more like the house, more like a a Scottish style dunnage. So concrete floor, ventilation all the way around. However cold it gets in the wintertime, that's how cold it's going to be in there. Uh, However hot it gets in the summertime, add 10 degrees to it. That's how warm it's going to be in there. So, But we wanted to do something different because obviously not being in Kentucky, we don't want to do barely legal rye. So we don't want to go 51%. And me... As not a ninety-five-five guy in general, um, it's just not my thing. I didn't want to go that direction, although we did a couple of batches of 95 and 100% rye as well. So this right. is kind of right there in the middle to where you've got, you know, there's a little bit that rye is a little bit more prominent, a little more pronounced, a little more textural and interesting, but you still get some of that sweetness coming through from the corn. And that brewer's malt, that victory malt, again, has almost like that dry Ooh. flaked biscuit sort of tone to it.
0: That This brewer's malt is so, it just comes through. Uh, so many interesting layers to this, and again, I see a lot of f- friends uh, and family of, of both Bourbon Blog and, and Spirits of French Lick watching. Take a moment, like this, share this video. Uh, we want to get a whole lot of people sipping with us tonight. Uh, take out one of your favorite bottles of French Lick and, and post it down below. Tell us what you're sipping. Uh, this is so mm. so interesting. Now you take. A, we'll go back a moment. You said this is a yeast strain that you would usually use on brandies. Is
1: yep. that? So so two different yeast strains. The first one is our house strain that we use the first half of the fermentation. Right. And honestly, it's that on house... no
0: other products, right? Yep,
1: okay. yep. And that house strain is honestly, it probably started off as Fleischman's bread yeast is where it originally came from. Okay. But we propagated ourselves over the years now. The second strain, uh, and we always do this, we use one of three different brandy yeast. The one we used on this was a, um, a South African brandy yeast uh, called Vin 13. Uh, and it, it really pulls some of those fruity, it, you might pick up, and it's hard for me right now with, you know, the sinus issue going on, but before the sinus issue, I could pick up almost a little, like, kind of tropical starfruit sort of characteristic. Now, obviously, there's a lot of eucalyptus there, a lot of that kind of um, menthol sort of characteristic as well. And then back behind that, I'd pick up a, just a little hint
0: of that sort of starfruit characteristic. There is me. a little of that starfruit, mm-hmm. kind of floral, slightly tropical yeah. against minty. Mm-hmm. It's, so, and then it's, it's so different. Yeah,
1: and that, that was the goal, too. So this, this mash bill, what's really cool about it, so that, that George Washington mash bill, and it is not the George Washington whiskey, don't get me wrong. I love what uh, Steve Bayshore is doing at Mount Vernon, and that is George Washington whiskey there. This is not George Washington whiskey, but this is a tribute to a mash bill that got lost in American history because not only was that mash bill prominent in the Virginia area, and the Tidewater area, throughout southern Indiana, southern Ohio history, and even northern Kentucky, uh, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, rye was very, very common very early on. And ironically, some of those ryes, and I haven't tried this yet, but one day, because you know how I am, I get bored, I'm going to do it. But I've come across multiple historical accounts of this style of whiskey being aged on hickory and not oak, which might be a kind of interesting, kind of smoky barbecue sort of characters coming through in it. So
0: You've seen it done before in historically Mm -hmm. aged on hickory uh, and not oak.
1: Yep. So interesting.
0: There's so much going on here again. uh, Different yeast. Again, tell us the um, the the breakdown of the mash bills.
1: Yeah. So, uh, sixty rye, thirty five corn,
0: and five victory malt. Um, This is so so good and such a you know you I I always expect uh, something so unique and delicious from you. Um, I know as you set out to you know to make your first rye. Of course, we had uh, before this even came out. We had the right way. We had a we had a little sip of that. Yeah. I mean, you did something even really unique and special, letting us try. This was this whiskey uh, finished in absinthe barrels, didn't
1: you? Yep, absolutely. So there was that one. Then we also released, uh, and I've heard it's a, a collector's market item on the uh, tertiary nobody cares market. Uh, <laughs> we released what was called Foo Bar, which was a uh, it was either a ninety-five or a hundred percent rye. We honestly don't know because that product we were doing some ninety-five ryes. And we were playing around with different uh, rye malts and we had a still hand at the time who um, he had some personal issues. We'll put it that way. And he put the wrong malt in and he didn't bother to tell anybody for several days. By the time he told me, I couldn't track back what he'd actually dropped into there. So we called it foobar, like from, uh, you know, military parlance or tango and cash. So that got released as a, a tasting room only ordeal. And it was it was really good, but it was for sure. Ninety five five rye. There's no doubt about it. When you taste 955, you know what it is. Ninety-five or 100,
0: hundred, one way or the right, other, right around there. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, this is layered. It's um, it has some nice heat, of course. Uh, bottled and bond right here, hundred proof. Right, this is a bottle yep. and bond uh, release, um, and this is just a little bit over four years. There's a little blend of four and five. Yep. five year. Just around five. Oh, it's run around yep. five. Okay. Yep. This is so that. Eight it's all four.
1: five year. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's the oldest thing that we've released from the mainline series so far. That's yeah. always going to be a five year plus product. Um, even yeah. when the bourbons might only be four years plus, uh, the rye is always to me gonna be just a little older than the bourbon. Again, just to break convention, right? You gotta do something right. different, uh, for sure. But even the even the character on the front, um, you know, we, we we always say it's not just the spirits in the bottle, it's the spirits of the place. So that character, ironically, me having COVID tonight, I'll tell you his story real quick because I think people will yes.
0: appreciate it. I want to, I definitely, this is, it's, you always name it after someone important in in the history.
1: Yeah, you have to, you have to, and and then you have to make sure that those people get the first bottle at their gravesite so you don't get haunted by them. So, so uh, Mr. Scott was a, um, he was originally, I believe, from Kentucky, ended up in Southern Indiana living in Paoli, and he was married into the McCoy and Wolf family, which are two families that we talk about quite often from Orange County and distilling history. Uh, He ended up owning what was called the uh, McCoy and Scott Distillery, which was in Mitchell, Indiana. For anybody that's familiar with Mitchell, Bedford area, right across from Apple Acres, if you're ever in that area, there's an orchard there called Apple Acres. Um, That actually started off as a distillery orchard, and that was for the McCoy and Scott Distillery. But his big claim to fame really was that he became uh, a 50% stakeholder in the Daisy Spring Mill Distillery at Spring Mill State Park. The distillery we're currently rebuilding as a historic distillery. Uh, he worked there alongside Jonathan Turley until sometime in the 1880s, and legitimately the story that we get passed down to us is he got tired of, quote-unquote, getting screwed by the government on taxes, and he closed he closed out his accounts with Turley. He closed down the, the Scott and McCoy distillery. He moved back to Paoli, Indiana, and he started distilling out of his house or around his house at what's called the Bowen House. It's still there just east of Paoli to this day. It was actually the original wow. county jail. The house is crazy. Um, and we're going to be doing a video about it with Bo Cumberland here shortly. Oh, cool. um, but he goes into the business doing that. He dies in, eight, in 1909. When he dies, his daughter, Belle, and his son, Howard, they kind of take over the bootlegging business. And they have this reputation in Stamford's Creek Township and uh, Paoli Township of Orange County, Indiana, of being responsible for somewhat saving people from the Spanish flu epidemic that came through because the doctors wouldn't go on house calls during that. Uh, so Bell and Howard would deliver rye whiskey with rock rock candy in it. So rock and rye to the people who were suffering from the Spanish flu. And there are still descendants this day that say that their, that their family survived because of Solomon and Bell or because of Bell and Howard. Sorry. Um, we actually have uh, evidence. Uh, Bell was tried at one point in time for bootlegging. They busted their busted her at the house um, running an illicit, uh, you know, speakeasy, whatever you want to call it. When she went on trial in front of the judge, she was basically, you know, the judge said he read off the charges and said, you know, you're accused of selling liquor illicitly and everything. Wow. She stood up in the middle of the trial and she said, well, you should know you bought most of it. <laughs> and they just shut the trial down like it was. That's it. All right. We're not going there. Right. You're going to start name dropping. We're done. So <laughs> uh, but the house still exists. And there's a uh, so the thing. Solomon was really smart about. The reason he never really got caught back in the day is because he had multiple outbuildings on that property. And he would move his equipment from outbuilding to outbuilding. So when the police showed up, they'd have to have a search warrant for each of the outbuildings. So it was like a shell game to find them. And then the main distillery was actually in this kind of walled off hidden basement that was underneath the, uh, the kind of restaurant portion of the house, uh, what's now the kitchen of the house. So.
0: Incredible, incredible story. Uh, I love how you go back in history. And which I mean, I think a lot of people that follow you on, on Facebook have probably seen this, but let me pop, uh, the, um, the photo up because i think it's so interesting uh that you do this you actually for every release you do mm-hmm. hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna pop this up here uh you take you you take the first bottle can everybody see that okay, there you go there yeah there it is uh you share the whiskey uh at the gravesite of the uh the, the famous person in history um you've done that every time that's that's what what inspired you to to start that Mm -hmm. uh that tradition
1: uh i mean distillers are traditional distillers tend to be pretty superstitious one way or the other um so for me uh, i really consider myself a historian as much so if not more so than a distiller and you know i can spend days writing an article that's 10 pages long and five people are going to read it and really care but if I break it down and I, I come up with the idea for whiskey and I put that picture on the bottle and I, you know, give a story on the back, then that person <clears throat> kind of gets brought back to life, quote unquote, to some degree, right? People start talking about him again, et cetera. So if you're going to do that, I feel like if you're also superstitious or you believe somewhat in the paranormal, like I do, like it's all, it's all good karma to make sure that bottle number one gets to them. Right. Um, you know, I don't want Lee Claire standing at the foot of my bed being like, hey, where the hell is my bottle? You know, not, not that that necessarily would happen, but it can't hurt anything to go and, and give them a dram one way or the other. So uh, I always make sure they get bottle number one, and then bottle number two goes to, like, if the house is still around, it'll go there. And bottle number three might go to a, a descendant, or if I can't find a descendant, a lot of these characters are, are a lot of these people are people that I've had uh, people play in the past during reenactments, and so I'll give it to a reenactor that's played that
0: character. So Oh, that's cool that is so cool but again you've not been you've always gone there first so you've not been haunted yet any any strange stories that have come from having a whiskey with the said character
1: uh not not in particular with uh with any of these characters we we recently oh. talked about one on if you have ghosts you have everything the other paranormal podcast we did uh the original name elise Lee Sinclair was actually john bowman and there were a number of um ghost stories that that i experienced firsthand that, that i kind of recounted in that particular episode Um, but yeah, as far as these other ones so far, so good. Um, but bottle one of Solomon ended up at the grave and we also made sure that, so his daughter and son are buried there too. We made sure they got a little drink and then we took bottles two and three to the, uh, the Solomon Scott house, which is called the Bowen house now. And they ended up, uh, one they're going to keep. And then the other one, the husband was super excited to open it like immediately. So it's probably, it's probably long gone.
0: (laughs) That is, that is so cool. Uh, what a story! Uh, and the, the passion you put behind this, the history, uh, everything that you tell, uh, even the photo. I mean, this is actually is, was this come from a painting of, of Solomon, or what? You- so our
1: illustrator did that off of a, uh, a photo that's on um, wow. on the AlchemistCabinet dot uh, com website on the blog. Um, a photo of Christ. what we think is Solomon. We're not sure. We're not one hundred percent positive if that's Solomon or if it's Howard. We don't know for sure. Uh, I suspect, given the age of the photo, that it's likely Solomon.
0: Likely Solomon. Okay, I'm going to put a couple of great links up there for uh, everyone to check out that if they haven't already um, to make sure they can follow you and all the great work you do. Take a look after this interview, alchemistcabinet.wordpress.com, right? That's the first one. Go look at uh, Alan's uh, travels, his adventures, and uh, some of the backstories and other photos. You can find it there. Uh, Of course, uh, follow Spirits of French Lick uh, on and and also Alan on all the social media. I think some of you already are following there. And of course, I see a number of you uh, commenting um, down below, tweeting back to us. Thanks for uh, sharing this. A lot of people sharing this that are big fans of what Alan does and of Alan's. So thanks for sharing this and and following us because we love uh, chatting with incredible distillers like Alan and just trying these things out and just seeing what people. Uh, Love to do. Okay, I do see a a question here um, from R. Thanks for watching, R. Alan, can you talk about uh, any heirloom whiskeys that you're making right now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm going to presume that you're referring to uh, uh, our estate bourbon um, that is called, make sure I say this the right way, Hindustin Falls. Uh, So Hindustin Falls was a town that's abandoned now in Martin County, Indiana. Um, right along the White River. Ironically, the Doty family farm is the same piece of land where Hindostan Falls was located. Uh, So all of our heirloom corn, whatever you want to call it, uh, the created heirloom that I created, the Amanda Palmer corn that I bred for several years, uh, that's where it's grown at. So we thought that'd be a cool name for it. And so that is, um, it's 80% uh, Amanda Palmer corn, it's 10% rye and 10% distiller's malt. It's the simplest mash bill we do. And the reason we did that <clears throat> excuse me, the reason we did that is we really wanted that Amanda Palmer corn to sort of uh, really be the star of that. Right. But we also wanted to keep it a bourbon. We didn't want to make it a corn whiskey necessarily. I needed it to be bourbon because of the popularity so that we'll hopefully end up in the right hands where people can go, wow, this is a really different style of corn, really different style of distillation. The corn really speaks and it's positive attributes, etc." Um, So that is that's going on five years old. We've done some single barrels of it, and we are we're going to be releasing it probably early next year. I would I would say
0: releasing it uh, very very soon, probably early mm-hmm. next year. And again, it will be called the what? What will be called? uh
1: Hindostan Hindo- Falls. I have to break that down. Hindostan Falls. So this, that's an Indiana thing. So the, the guy who named this town was uh, he was an English soldier who had ended up in Hindostan at one point in time, right? But because we're from Indiana, it comes out in Austin. Like there's a there's Austin. a place there's a place over in Orange County, uh, a church, and for all intents and purposes, it's called Syria Church. But if you say that to anybody there, they'll say you mean or it's called Syria Church. Sorry, say it to anybody there, they'll all be like, you mean Syria? Okay, sure, sure, Syria, <laughs>
0: whatever you want to call it. Oh no, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, thanks R, for the question. Any other questions for Alan? Uh, don't hesitate to ask. We're going to keep on talking about other upcoming releases. That's one upcoming release. Again, be watching for this one. Again, where all can people find Solomon Scott? They can find it where. <laughs>
1: so that'll be in distribution in all the mainline channels. So Indiana, Kentucky, uh, let's see, Illinois, Missouri, Texas, uh, south carolina north carolina new york new jersey i don't know they added a bunch of states and then canada um you should be able to get it from sillbox.com as well uh it it'll be out there one way or the other even if you have to have somebody mule it i keep trying to cover up my inappropriate shirt i didn't realize that i
0: put on so every time somebody looks up and just my shirt just says fuck you so <laughs> they 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 may be able to make it out it's it's possible it's uh, it's one of those subliminal messages right i mean it's not really surprising coming from me so
1: i can't i don't know why i'm i'm being all shy about it now so
0: (laughs) so again we're trying we're tasting two unique whiskeys here or one whiskey one cider or uh, not cider sorry brandy. (laughs) two things i'm going back and forth here uh we have the solomon scott rye whiskey then over here on the apple side it's the hoosier apple brandy of course we love uh the brandies that um uh that that alan creates this one is a, another bottled and bond this is old clifty and and is this is this the first bottle bottled bond brandy you've done as far as the apple mm-hmm. brandies go
1: it is it's the very first bottled and bond apple uh, brandy i've done and that uh that should be the first that's the first that i know of bottled and bond apple brandy in our region the black forest of southern indiana region since 1914. first um, since
0: 1914.
1: yeah Amazing. from the from the six county region of apple <laughs> brandy distillers in indiana so that one's, th- honestly, out of everything I've ever done, I mean, that one's probably the closest to my heart because I grew up making apple brandy, and obviously I started at Copper and Kings, and, you know, I, apple brandy is just something I absolutely love, especially the region that I'm from, and so it was important to me to, to well represent what apple brandy was here in southern Indiana uh, prior to its destruction by Prohibition, for sure.
0: Right, right, because there was, there was so much uh, prior to Prohibition, especially in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Like, this was something that we we drank a lot back in the day as Hoosiers.
1: Yeah. So, Washington, Orange, Lawrence, Crawford, Harrison, Perry, and I don't know if I said orange or not. There's the COVID brain for you. And Orange County, that six-county region, there were 155 legal apple brandy distilleries between years of 1858 and 1914. 150,000-plus um, apple trees per county at that time to feed those distilleries. Uh, the largest uh, apple brandy distillery in the United States was in Harrison County um, in a little town called New Amsterdam. That was the Alexander Sterling and David Kemper Distillery. So it's a huge part of our, our heritage, um, not only just for us to drink it as Hoosiers. The, the way that we typically drank it here back then was as a white spirit with a little honey added to it, but we exported a ton of it. And we actually have yeah. some historical evidence that our brandy from Southern Indiana was even being imported into Normandy, France at the time. Oh, which wow. is hilarious when you consider Calvados. And I love Calvados, but um, very different style of apple brandy from Calvados for sure. I always say it has um, it has a lot more in common with bourbon than it does traditional brandies. I mean, it's, uh, it's big, it's bold, it's got some more of that kind of white pepper spice and heat to it. It lets you know you're drinking something. But I also think that for me, uh, short of maybe some of like the um, Foursquare Rums, this might be the easiest transition for a bourbon drinker. Like you're not going to get them to switch from bourbon to apple brandy, but if you can get them to buy two bottles a year, that's all I need to keep producing it.
0: So this is so delicious. I mean, this is something that is clean. It's fresh. It has those beautiful delicate sugars. It's just easy, but yet complex. I mean, the layers here, once again, I mean, there's the spice, there's the brightness. Um, This is just so good. What, and the, and the approach you're taking again you looked back uh, at history, the approach that had been taken uh, to this, what, just talk about that a little bit too, because it's, it yeah. really is so different than any brandy you'll get uh, anywhere.
1: So the the real approach to, to this particular apple brandy, bearing in mind that, you know, we're limited by the constraints of there not being, but, you know, two or three commercial orchards in the state of Indiana, and they're not producing right. enough to really, to be able to make much apple brandy from. So the juice is literally, it's coming in as a commodity product, right? So immediately we have to rule out like, well, can we get the right kind of apples? No, but what can we get? We can get this. Well, how do we make that taste like traditional Hoosier apple brandy? And, and the trick is in fermentation, temperatures, yeast, et cetera. And then that double pot still method and a very specific type of cut that is made during the distillation process um, in order to hold on to that characteristic. And so the, the real goal with this for us is what you really want out of apple brandy, the word spirit itself comes from the essence of whatever the thing is. So what you want from an apple brandy is to always get back to that base of what was it like standing underneath that apple tree when the apples were ripe in the fall, but have it in January, February, when none are ripe. And I think we do capture that there and we balance it with the oak as well. Um, and it holds up to the oak. I mean, we use the same barrels on this that we do for the bourbons and the rise and the apple holds up to it just fine. To me, there's a, a lot of like, uh, apple crisp, like fresh baked apple crisp that comes yeah. across on it. Um, but it's very much so in the in the fermentation and the distillation um, approach. The, uh, the traditional way that Hoosier apple brandy was made was it was actually a mash brandy, um, which I would love to be able to do, but it's just not really feasible. Um, but they would basically they would take uh, the whole apple, grind the whole apple and cook it in with limestone water uh, and make it more like a mash, like you'd see a bourbon mash. And then distill that off with solids and all on the inside. Um, there's a few little tricks that you can use here and there, and a very small percentage of what got distilled and put into the barrel may or may not have had some dehydrated apples in a gin basket. So,
0: ooh, okay, all kinds of uh, all kinds of unique approaches. And again, it goes from bright, um, lots of good sugars, not overly sweet, to something creamy, something warming. It's it's a just a beautiful balance. Um, yeah. Again, I think one of the, I mean, just one of the best uh, apple brandies I've ever had in my life. Thank you. So, oh yeah, this is so deep. This one's out also. Is this a limited release or will we see it? Nope. It's a main,
1: it's going to be an all the time thing unless we run out in between seasons because we only make about two, mm. we make, we bring in about 12,000 gallons of apple juice a year. So we end up making somewhere around maybe 12 to 24 barrels a year, just depending on what we have. Um, so it should be out all the time unless it really catches on. Of course it's apple brandy. So it's not anywhere near as bourbon, big as bourbon. Um, but it should always be a mainline release. I hope it is. Cause I love talking about, it. I love telling the story, of apple brandy in Indiana. And that's, that's what we have on this side of the river. I mean, we made whiskey and we made bourbons too, but apple brandy was really our forte. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's something fun and different, unique. And, you know, honestly, you could, a lot of times you could almost find somebody that's in the bourbon with that particular apple brandy. Unless they really knew, they'd have a hard time saying that it wasn't a bourbon or a whiskey of some sort, even oh, yeah, with that apple characteristic.
0: It's a, you know, has really that bourbon ask note. I mean, it really mm-hmm. hits you like a bourbon hits you. Um, so delicious. The, okay, so let's say uh, Old Clifty, again, Old Clifty is named after. Mm-hmm.
1: after so what? that, that was, um, sort of the premier apple brandy distiller of the black forest region so uh that's a place just north of campbellsburg indiana here in washington county um a place it's now known as cave river valley it's a nature preserve if if you ever get a chance to check it out tom you should go hike it sometime because it's it's absolutely gorgeous uh the current valley as it's owned by the dnr springville state park there's there's two major caves and then there's a number of kind of hidden caves that you'd have to know where they're at to find them but uh that distillery was originally built uh, somewhere around 1818, um, and it was actually built originally by Hamer and Hamersley, who went on to build the Daisy Spring Mill Distillery. They're the first owners uh, or the first people that were involved in that distillery as well. Um, the major owner of, of Old Clifty was, um, oh, I'm, I'm struggling to, to find his name at the moment. Uh, it'll come to me a little bit. Anyways, he was a, an elder in his church at the time. And he ran it for the, uh, the vast majority of its lifetime. And uh, it never was a huge distillery at their at their height in the late 1800s. I think they were doing about 20,000 gallons a year. Now, bear in mind that, that by, at that point, that's all apple brandy. And to make a gallon of apple brandy, you're looking at one to three bushels of apples. So 20,000 gallons, at the very least, is 60,000 bushels of apples. So that's a lot, a lot of damn apples to work through. Um, but so it was very hard to find. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of it made but it was the one that you wanted to find if you really liked apple brandy and so the illustration on the front uh, if you go back and you look at the uh the label yeah. on the 2 year old too it's the same picture as on the 2 year old we just had our illustrator uh draw that up for us and to the left right. is the old old mill and to the right's the old distillery wow so so beautiful
0: um this uh this again is out it will be out all year for as, as long as the stocks will have it it'll be out there uh, two new products that you've just, these have just been added. Yep. Uh, to your just been added. Just yeah. been added. So you can find those in the States you mentioned, uh, also at the distillery as mm-hmm.
1: well. Yeah, and wow. there are, there's, there's going to be a couple of um, fun little fall releases, distillery only too, that people might be interested, if they like the apple. Yeah, I,
0: I was going to say, if there's anything else. But yeah. You've yeah. already added so much, but if there's anything else you have coming, let's hear it.
1: I just I ramble, Tom. And what happens is no, because, I love this. because I have COVID brain right now, I'm like, say it before you forget it, man. Get it out there. <laughs> so um uh the first thing, uh, this this actually I'll come back to that. So we will have should have a kataba brandy that'll be out this fall, that'll be gift shop only. So this is um this has been a four-year-old Catawba brandy, and I can't remember if we did it as bottled and bond or if we did it as barrel strength. Um, but it's been aged in um French oak barrels one was a toasted and one was actually charred uh, and we made a blend of that so I'm really excited about that Uh, but then we have this other really cool project that I can't wait to get out Um, and I think we're just waiting on a formula from TTB and then labels right now so hopefully by the end of October beginning of November but we took the same apple brandy that you're tasting tonight Uh, we took two and a half barrels of it we blended it and then we put it into a isla barrel it was 19 years old, uh, so originally a sherry butt that oh, uh, but then went to Isla and sat for 19 years with a, a nice smoky Scotch in it. And they wouldn't tell me what brand it was, but uh, and I'm, I have my suspicions, but I want to hear what people have to say when they taste it. So it's basically a smoked apple brandy, um, is what it is. Oh. And I can't can't think of anything more perfect, uh, you know, for for drinking around Halloween or even Thanksgiving than a, a smoked apple brandy
0: that will be uh incredible again a 19 year old isla scotch the (laughs) apple brandy that's already how old uh four
1: four years is what it was
0: yeah you put it in for about how long Uh, it's been in there since february incredible so uh eight nine months something like that Mm -hmm. Yep, yep beautiful so be watching for a couple limited releases always uh some really just fun releases at uh spirits of french lick uh you can learn more about them spirits of french lick.com you can take a tour you can go price you can probably find out a lot of times when you stop by and visit right mm-hmm.
1: now yep yep when I'm not out
0: with covid yeah
1: for sure yeah, uh, given
0: a few days but yeah and uh if you
1: if you aren't in one of the states where we're distributed uh you yeah. can also check out sillbox.com because a lot of times yeah. sillbox.com is carrying our stuff and if there's something that he doesn't have that we have um, you can always reach out to Blake and, and let him know, hey, is there any way you can get a few cases of this or whatever? Because often he'll bring in small runs of stuff if there's enough interest from people. So
0: You can get it at sealbox.com. I will put that up there as well. That's a way that if you're not in one of those states, uh, you can order uh, some of the fine spirits of French Lick. Again, just, just now released, or you will be seeing it, uh, Solomon Scott Rye Whiskey, the first... Right, well, we, you had the the limited edition with the first straight rye whiskey, and right. this is a, you know, an Indiana rye whiskey, a fairly new category in the last year and a half or so. Yeah, so, for, yeah so we how that feel to be releasing one that's in that category. Yeah. What do you think? Well, uh, yeah, I uh, I had wanted to, I would
1: love to have called it Indiana rye whiskey, and uh, unfortunately, we already had the labels printed whenever <laughs> whenever that finally passed, so I had that moment of, well, shit, now we can't. We, I mean, you know, in the, yeah, it is an Indiana rye whiskey. We just don't have it on the label, but we do have a, um, I think there's another 95.5 rye coming out, just a small, like, single barrel uh, that we're doing that is, um, uh, I think we're calling it Homestead. Who's your homestead rye or something Mm -hmm. like that? So it does play off that Indiana rye thing. Right. That
0: Indiana rye. Another Mm -hmm. one coming. Yep. Beautiful, always such delicious products. Really, some of our very fra- favorite spirits, uh, whiskeys that Alan does. He does such a great job. And the story behind them, the passion you put into this, the history, everything you do, Alan, you do such a phenomenal job.
1: With. Really oh, I appreciate do. it, man. You're always you're always one of the people on the top of the list. I want to make sure it gets to taste all new stuff coming out because, uh, I appreciate your opinions and I appreciate the people that you get it in front of. And, you know, you've, you've got an excellent palate, so it's always nice to talk to you. So,
0: It's always a pleasure, my friend. And again, to all of our friends watching uh, all over, I see people watching from everywhere uh, across the country. Uh, Take a moment, like this video, share it, uh, tell folks about Spirits of French Lick, such delicious uh, whiskey, brandies, you name it, uh, coming from Indiana. And we're really proud uh, to see this in the state of Indiana. Uh, Well done, Alan. I was so glad to see you week and a half ago or so. I hope to see you again real soon in the fall. Yeah. Uh, any, any events you have, you have any other events coming up that you'll be doing at uh, the distillery that we should note. I don't think
1: we have anything at the distillery at the moment, but uh, I, I next week I'll be out at ADI with uh, Gary Hein Gardner on the, yeah. uh, the, the corn panel, the heirloom corn panel. So that's going to be really cool. And I'm really happy to be a part of that. I, I always love hanging out with Gary. He's such a good guy. Yeah. Um, so I'll be there the 14th and the 15th out in St. Louis hanging out. Um, Other than that, I don't have a lot of a whole lot of whiskey events lined up other than, you know, the normal like run of the mill, like distillers talk podcast, which is we do that every week. And then I don't know, there's there's some various things in the works that we're we're working on. I think we're going to do. There's a, a really cool ghost walk thing coming up at the Salem Speedway for people who are interested in racing or the paranormal. I believe that's October 15th and it's historic Salem Speedway. It was built in the 1940s. Uh, so they have a gentleman who has lived there for multiple years and he knows, you know, he knows where all the tragic accidents happened at and all the, all the weird hauntings and stuff. So I think me and Kim, my wife, I think we're going to go out as uh if you have ghosts, you have everything and interview the guy while he's doing the tour and, and put that up. And, uh, you know, that's, that's becoming, um, there's a nice little spiritual crossover there between spirits, right. lovers and the people in the paranormal. And, it, and right. I don't think it gets talked about a whole lot. So, um. I kind of enjoying building that audience right now as much as anything.
0: And you talk about that in one of your podcasts, right?
1: Yeah, so it's if you have ghosts, you How have everything. How yeah. do we find that? So it's on all the major podcast platforms out there, Spotify, Amazon, Google, um, Anchor, etc. Uh, if you follow us on social media, you'll surely see me or my wife, one of the two post about it. Um, you can check out uh, thealchemistcabinet.com which is now our official website with all the links on it. It'll have you know, the podcast, One Piece of Time right. Distilling Institute, which is a home distilling video series that we do, yeah. has our store up there with the book that I just republished. And we're going to have the uh, the Alan Bishop Experience DVD that Bo Cumberland directed up shortly. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to find ways to to brand
0: myself. You know, that's beautiful. So, so Check out the new podcast. Go on to the the uh, the WordPress uh, blog. Look for if you have ghosts, you have everything you and your wife do that. Mm -hmm. We do. We do. Uh, She she is more intelligent than I am. And if you listen to the show, you'll be able to tell that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, uh, again, always a pleasure having Alan on. I I love tasting both these with you. These were uh, both so delicious. And we loved having all of you um, you wonderful folks watching us. We will have more. It is National Bourbon Heritage Month. Uh, Again, for folks like Alan and I, and probably you too, because you drink it. Uh, Every month is bourbon month, but there's this thing officially called National Bourbon Heritage Month. So we're going to have a lot more great interviews with um, some other distillers and great people. So just be watching this channel.
1: And I'll tell you what, even if you're a bourbon fan, pick up a bottle of that apple brandy in the next time. Or if you go somewhere you see it, the next time you have a a (laughs) bourbon-centric cocktail made, have them split it in half. Do half bourbon and half brandy.
0: Yep. I thought you were going to say, hand it to your friend and say, how do you like this bourbon and see if they realize uh Listen, I, I already did one oh, bourbon heritage. Good. I already did one bourbon heritage month
1: hate video this month. I, you know, I, I, I know where to draw the line. You know, I got to go back to Kentucky every once in a while. So, uh, you they you know, really welcome you back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't want them just waiting at the other side of the bridge being like, nope, Mm-mm. no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> back over there with your apple trees. Oh, no, it's, it's always, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank, hey, thanks everybody for watching and uh, we'll see you all again real soon. Cheers, Alan. Cheers, sir. Hope, hope you, uh, hope you feel better and better. I'm sure the spirit's helped a little bit.
1: I I feel better right now than I did when we started.
0: Good. (laughs) Me too.
1: Good. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.